You're listening to the Dons Cast, an unofficial fan podcast about the greatest Australian football team, the Essendon Bombers. My name is Jamie. And I'm Nick. Mate, we've had a bit of a break since our last pod, but there's enough going on that we feel like we should have one before the trades begin on Wednesday. And obviously, there's a bit of free agency action to talk about already. And, you know, we've also got a few things in the pipeline that, you know, is worth discussion. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Funny happening. So, uh, yeah, better to have a chat and then, uh, you know, finish up after the trade period to go back for a bit more. Yeah, that's right. We can do a bit of a review. Uh, at least we'll know potentially where our list list is at at that point. Um, you know, we're still waiting for the AFL to you know, give us a concrete how much money we can spend and how many players are on our list and so forth. And, you know, there's more speculation about that in that if this takes much longer, they may have to defer any list culling until next year because um, obviously the clubs need to have some kind of template to work on, um, especially when they're doing their player payments. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, I mean, it's been commented on pretty widely, but it is pretty crazy that we're sort of midway through the, the trade period and no one knows what's happening yet. So, uh, yeah, like clubs would be desperate for, for that news and, and certainly players who are kind of left in limbo at the moment. Yeah, I know the speculation's been going for a long time, but like the the trade period, mate, doesn't hasn't started. We don't start until the fourth of November, and um, which is on Wednesday, I think, and that finishes on the twelfth of November. But you know, we've had that week of trade radio, which seems to last forever, um, with the same kind of speculation and so forth, where we have the free agents have their time, um, and then all the, you know, I guess the interesting one there was um, if reported is you know GWS are going to match Geelong's monster offer to Jeremy Cameron which I was really happy about because I thought you know, if a club like Geelong just played in the grand final gets to take Jeremy Cameron um, for basically no cost to them other than the money they pay him uh, you know the AFL's in awful trouble because the players are just going to continue to choose teams up the top end of the ladder. And, um, you know, you feel for GWS. I'm really glad they made a stance and uh, as reported, they said they're going to match that. And that means Geelong will have to cough up either their own picks or picks and players, which um, should be the way it is. And um, although we had a bit of a win compensation, which we'll talk about soon, I think the quicker the AFL get rid of compensation, the better. And that, um, you know, basically the the clubs uh, are forced to negotiate with the other team that they're taking off and, and it comes out of their kitty rather than getting things for free. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, I guess the compensation picks were sort of brought in to help alleviate some of the, um, the issues involved with it. But it's kind of like the AFL's made a rod for their own back because, um, I mean, even this week we've seen Aiden Core is now uh, going to go to North. And, uh, you know, they're, um, I think he's GWS at the moment, you know, if that's not wrong, James. Um, yeah, that's right. Not- yeah, so, and they're reportedly getting a uh, a second round pick uh, in compensation back. And, oh, like, I don't know if that's, you know, you're looking at Aiden Core, like, I'm sure he's a good player, but I'm not sure a second round pick is sort of worthy when we're, um, sort of saying that, um, like other players, like a, 
Uh, Joe Danaher um, is worth pick seven. I mean, uh, like on his on his day, um, you know, he's he's an absolute game breaker. I, I'm not sure you could say the same thing about Aiden Core, and it's everything's linked with you know contract sizes and stuff like that. And as much as um, you know, the AFL's tried to clamp down on you know whether it's draft tampering, um, you know, trade issues, and you know, white paper bags or uh, Vizzy paper bags in the Carlton scenario. Um, you know, I'm I'm not sure that clubs are uh, you know sticking true to the um, purpose behind this. And there's definitely um, you know people know what level of money they have to pay to give the other club a certain amount of compensation, which means they won't then try to force a trade. So um, yeah, I agree with you, James. Like the sooner we can get rid of compo picks, the better. And like you know, if you finish down the bottom, like the bottom half especially. Um, you know, imagine you finished, say you were Carlton, right? And and say you weren't getting sad and you were pick eight. You'd be pretty annoyed that um, your pick eight is actually going to be pushed out after all these compo and academy bids and so forth. That pick eight is probably going to end up being pick 15. You know what I mean? So, like, um, yeah, it's not really doing what the draft was designed to, which was to... Um, you know, try and give access to the best players, uh, you know, outside of the AFL system to teams that were languishing down the bottom or, you know, needed that little bit of a push to get up to the next level. And, um, you know, I guess with academy players and also the um, free agency, it's really just diluted that to a point that, you know, you're now seeing that the top teams are, generating the most interest where players want to play for those teams. Understandably, is if you're a player, especially when you reach free agency, which is generally around the 26, 27, you know, you've only got a, you know, maybe five or six years left at max to try and get that elusive premiership if you've never won one. Um, and, you know, clubs aren't, our players aren't going to stick loyal to the clubs when they've got, you know, very limited time to reach their goals. Yeah, absolutely, James. So the, I suppose the whole premise behind equalisation, um, I mean, we saw it when Hawthorne were a successful club. Uh, we've obviously seen it time and time again with Geelong, who just stay up in that top echelon of, of teams in the AFL because they're able to attract these um, like really good players to their club. And obviously, um, as a player, you know, you've got a finite period of a career you're able to play for. But you are willing to, well, most players are willing to accept less money um, if they're, I suppose, a better chance of success at a different side. I mean, you know, you'd, you might cop um, 150 grand less going to Geelong um, because, you know, sure as hell makes your life a lot easier when you're um, winning games of footy than, um, you know, losing them at, at, uh, at other other sides. So, um yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things all change for the future. But uh, yeah, I think that yeah, those combo picks are a good start to to get rid of. And I'm hearing um, next year with the academy players, uh, and this is a little bit scary. Is that if your academy players bidded in the first round, um, you have no option to um, to claim that player. So if he if your academy player is so good that they command a first round selection, uh, that player is free to go to any team. So um, the, the uh, Bulldogs player this year, um, 
the hyphenated name. I've, I've got his name for a second, but um, he's uh, speculated he could be easily the number one draft pick this year. Um, you know, he, the Bulldogs obviously match anyone who tries to claim him uh, through the draft process. But if this was next year, uh, hypothetically, they would just have to say, even though we've put some time into him through our academy, uh, he's a first-round draft pick, and um, yeah, we have no more claims to him. And you know, if Adelaide chose to take him, um, there would be no, you know, comeback to actually say no. We want to, we want to take him ourselves. So, um, I don't know if that's going to work because the way clubs are, you know, they're pretty shrewd. Uh, I can see them hiding players that they think. Um, Maybe worthy of a first round pick, and you know, you know, maybe um, yeah, just take it easy in those second round competitions. You know, like um, you don't you know, don't show too much of your skills. We're we're fearful someone else will grab you. You know what I mean? Like, so uh, I don't know if that, that that's going to work, but um, I do yeah. understand. I do understand it's a bit unfair, isn't it? To some clubs get really good access to really good uh, academy players. Well, it is, and that's uh, so. Oogle Hagen um, is that, that? Yeah, that's him. Yeah, Jamara yeah. or whatever. He, um, like, I don't know, because there's a few things in that, um, you know, scenario you've just fleshed out there, James. That um, because for one thing, where's the um, I guess why would clubs, you know, invest so heavily in these academy um, players and um, yeah, I guess the academy itself if they're not able to access the best talent from that i mean you've developed these players you've you've done the training you've put programs in place and done all the hard work um and then if they get really good then uh you know someone can just nick them off you um so i i don't like that like i think you know you should still have like now um you know if if someone bids on them you should have the right to at least match that bid you know perhaps rather than doing away with it um entirely in that first round uh, perhaps you could do away with a um, – there's sort of a discount uh, if you've done the – like of points-wise, if you've uh, been the academy training that player. Um, so perhaps do away with that discount. You have to pay the full price in terms of points, but you still get the first um, first crack at, you know, being able to match a bid um, for that play if you so wish. Um, but also, you know, for the players, it would be – I think it's unfair – um, because as a player, you want to, um, you know, develop as, as good as you can and become as good as you can be. You'd stifle their development if you're then asking them to, you know, maybe only play a, a quarter here and there. You know, don't show too much. Um, yeah, maybe even saying to Mike, if you wouldn't mind just limping off the ground, um, you know, so people think you've got injury issues, that'd be, that'd be good. Um, I don't like those kinds of games um, because clubs will play them, Um if they're backed into a corner. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping that uh, that doesn't go ahead. And, uh, yeah, well, especially, you know, when we got um, young kids coming through, and I'm, I don't, I'm not saying, saying they're going to be first-rounders, but, I mean, you look at the the boys of Froggy Davey, you know, they're, they're coming through. So, um, yeah, you'd be pretty, um, uh, you know, peeved off if, you know, the the Davey boys got got taken off our hands or a, or a young Tex Wanganine or... Um, a young Mercedes. So, um, yeah, it'll be um, interesting to see how that plays out. But, I mean, because I think at the end of the day, we all love 
our footy clubs and I suppose that heritage, the family names that, that go through, everyone loves that side of it. I don't want us to become like fully just mercenaries, uh, you know, just, just selling kids to, from one team to another with no real connection to, uh, to a club. Like one club players would be, you know, that much more rare. Uh, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it all plays out, mate. Yeah, I should say, mate, that um, father-sons weren't included in that discussion, though. So father-sons, was you'd still be able to um, bid for those like, or, or claim them. Yeah. Um, um, so they were separated. It was more the academy players. I think there's concerns, especially last couple of years, and including this one. Um, there's been some really good top-end talent, um, and it's really just pushing the draft order so far back that, um, you know, the draft's not doing what it was designed to, um, and that's the AFL's concern. So, um, yeah, I agree with you. It shouldn't get to the shouldn't get to the part where the clubs are saying, "Gee, yeah, can you fake an injury for us?" Like, because um, you know, if people think you got you know tendon issues or whatever it is, um, maybe they'll be scared off. You know, you shouldn't have to face that. Um, so, I think you're right. We should be able to claim, but maybe a limit of only one that you can do that for so mm. um so that you know it's not all you know where some clubs have got multiple players that they're going to be academy players that are going to be selected um you know i guess that would be the concern of the afl if if uh, if one of the teams had a, a great bunch they could potentially have three or four really good academy players and um, yeah, those clubs that down the bottom that maybe wanted to bid on those, um, yeah, they're not going to see the the fruits of the best players in the draft. And again, that's what their draft was brought into, just to try and get a more even competition. Um, I'll just, uh, I guess, before we start our full review, mate, I just thought we'd go into just quickly. Um, obviously, I didn't know him personally, but I saw him, you know. Over the last thirty odd years, um, Doc Reed. It was sad to see his passing. Um, you know, to hear of his passing, and uh, you can see how much he meant to the uh, the players and the staff of the Essendon Football Club over many decades. Um, you know, he always had that cheeky smile and stuff like that. So they said he was just a top notch operator. Um, you know, knew how to read a room, uh, could pick up the vibe, and you know could uplift you if you're feeling down and, you know, could speak to the smartest person in the room and hold his weight. So, um, yeah, really sad news on Doc Reed and only 74, I think he was. And, um, you know, uh, unfortunately he had an illness and the illness won, but um, Doc has left a very lasting memory of the, um, with the Essendon Football Club. Yeah, he has, mate. I don't think the AFL as a whole, um, but it, it was sort of, I mean, like it's sad news, but it's it's, it's kind of great to hear, um, you know, so many ex-champions of the club uh, come out and speak so so well of him. Like I'm, I'm sure, um, but uh, you know, that's that's great. And he's uh, sort of be he was named as a as a legend um, uh, of the club, like the week, um, like during the week as well. So you know, his his mark on the SM Footy Club is un. Undeniable. Um, there was actually a really great article. Um, well, after Adam Ramanaskis uh, sort of spoke on his uh, radio show, 
um, the Breakfast Club on RSN, um, like about so Rammer's battles with um, you know the, those tumors and how Doc Reed helped him through that. And I think um, you know when someone uh, is going through such a hard time and like Bruce Reed's obviously been able to help him so much through that issue. Um, you know, and other people like you, you hear Hurdy talk about him all the time through his injury troubles. Um, Lloydie as well. Um, like it, it just speaks to the the character of the man. But the the biggest thing for me, Jane, um, I, I might seem a bit, I don't know, left field or whatever. The biggest thing for me that showed the character of uh, Doc Reed was, um, you know, him actually coming out. You know, during those saga years and um, saying, hey, something's wrong um, and calling it out. Because I think um, like that's that's a massive uh, tick on his integrity kind of thing because uh, it's one thing to stand up to like an opposition, um, but to stand up to like people you love in the club um, to, to say something's not right takes a, a real special kind of courage, I think. Um, and for him to speak out, because he, he does, uh, well, he did love the Essendon Football Club and, um, you know, obviously we, we love him back and, um, yeah, it's sad to see him go. But, um, yeah, he will certainly be remembered, um, yeah, forevermore at, at Windy Hill. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, I think also with that, um, I, I saw a little bit of a push. I think there's a... Um, yeah, you know, they, a push to have a, you know, how we got the Michael Long statue at Tullamarine. Um, there was a bit of a push for him to have his own, um, you know, basically a statue um, there as well. Um, and that shows how embedded, like, you know, many people would think, gee, uh, a non player bust, you know, basically, you know what I mean? Like, um, to actually have someone thought of that highly um, and for the for the push to even be there, that's remarkable. So, um, yeah, he's obviously, you know, you know, been a huge part of the club. And I know Kevin Sheedy rates him very highly. Um, you know, really sad to to hear of his passing. And um, as you say, mate, he did stand up. And he, I remember um, at, at one point, I think Asada tried to put Doc Reed in the gun at one point, like in terms of having a, um, trying to get him tangled up in the, the charges, mm. and um, I remember Doc Reed say, you know, saying that he'd go to court and um, he was ready to go, and um, yeah, Sada politely decided not to go down that track. So I think they knew they were out of their league with Doc, and um, yeah, uh, yeah, Doc will always be remembered as a great Essendon person. I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess the most recent news, other than that, is uh, we've got. Joe Danaher, no longer an Essendon player. He's now a Brisbane Lions player. And, uh, you know, we've got pick seven to show for it. So I've, I'm quite happy with that. Um, many people have said to me this week, oh, you should have done it last week. Last year you would have got two picks last year and now you're only getting one. But um, even Stephen Silvani said on that trade radio, we'd only offered, you know, pick nine um, in terms of like Carlton we're only going to give up pick nine to Sydney if um, they got Papley mm. and um, yeah they couldn't offer something they didn't have so um, and I guess that's where 
Uh, a lot of people tell you, oh, you could have asked for uh, last year's first round and this year's first round, and Sydney currently have pick three, for example, or pick two, whatever it is. Um, they're saying that we cost ourselves four games of Joe Danaher, but um, I think it was worth the attempt to try and keep him at the club. Um, you know, even though it didn't pay off, um, I think, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable having pick seven. And I think we've currently picked six, seven. And if we can get eight off Carlton, um, it's a really good draft hand to build around. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's very easy to look back at something and say, we should have, would have done this. Um, but I, I absolutely agree. It was the right move um, because, you know, we even saw that first game he came back. Uh, we're like, geez, how good is Joe Danaher? Like, we just forgot how good he is. Um, like, he was marking. He kicked a few goals. Yes, he didn't kick any more for the rest of the season. Uh, but he still had plenty of shots on goal and um, was taking some some big marks. So while his, his body wasn't completely right, you still saw what he's capable of. And, you know, people like Joe Danaher don't grow on trees, mate. Um you know, 200 plus centimetres, like really agile, uh, a beautiful field kick of the footy, not so much in front of the sticks, but, you know, um, that's that's Joe. Um, and, you know, really for the for the sake of a, a first rounder, like, you know, if that could have even been the case, like we've got, you know, say last year's first round and this one, um, it's still, like, that's a risk in itself because how many players do we see picked uh, that, you know, don't make it or don't develop as, as well as, you know, they were sort of, uh, you know, supposed to, uh, you know, due to the experts' opinions in the draft. Like, it happens all the time. Whereas, you know, Joe at his best is a, was a sort of known quantity. It wasn't known how well he'd be able to recover. Um, but I absolutely agree um, that getting pick seven back uh, for, for Joe Danaher this year is... Um, is very good. Allows Joe down here to sort of move on with his footy career, and um, you know maybe that the new sort of uh, scenery will uh, help reinvigorate his his love of the game and um, uh, and that kind of thing. But I think for for Essendon, it's it's good to move on without that question mark. Always, will he? Won't he stay? Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty comfortable with that uh, uh, with that decision. Yeah, I guess um, we spoke about Paul Brasher and his video. When he first came into the club, like, you know, to the members in terms of, I know he's been on the board for seven years, but I mean, like, in terms of um, the address to the members. Um, and he certainly wasn't bluffing when he said he was going to be looking into the club, see what issues was there. But early days, one of the things he said at the start that truly rang true is that if you don't want to be part of the Essendon Football Club going forward, tell us and we'll... Um, we'll make sure that you're not part of it because, um, and I think that's right because we can't have players with speculation that they don't want to be there. You can only imagine what kind of that builds into your culture um, because obviously other players would know, well, he's not really happy. He's just being held here. Um, so I'm glad, you know, with Joe going and Arazio now and, um, obviously, Adam Sard's just chosen to go as well. Um, if there's others, like, you know, there was talk about Merritt and Devin Smith and even Hooker and Hurley. If there is others, yeah, you can just imagine all that 
um, compounding. And if you're a new player to the club or um, you know, a younger player, you're thinking, gee, these senior guys, they don't want to be here. Do I want to be here? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it just builds a, you know, to me, you should love where you are, like, especially in the AFL system. Um, you should, Essendon should not have to sell you. You love you love our club. You should feel privileged to come into the club. You're going into a, a great football club, even though we haven't had a lot of on-field success. Um, our history says we're a great football team. Uh, we still play in front of, you know, obviously not last year, but or this year, sorry, but um, we still play in front of big crowds. We have you know big membership base. Um, yeah, we shouldn't have to sell that to people to say you should love us for these reasons. I think, you know, if that's your profession, you should love where you are. And if you've got issues, do the manly thing, go and discuss them with, um, you know, the key figures that you need to. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't like this little stuff behind the back scenes. Like I'm not happy there. You know, if you're not happy, address it. That's the way I think it. How about you, mate? Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, I think we mentioned it a little while ago, like Wayne Carey even called it out. You know, if, if Adam Saad had, had problems with the club, um, like at what point does it become the player's responsibility to do something about it? Uh, and I think that's absolutely right in any workplace. Um, if there's a problem, um, you raise it. Uh, if you're not happy with that resolution um, or you don't feel that something's being done, absolutely look at your options uh, because you need to be comfortable with... Um, with where you work and I like I do sort of see it um, to a point because um, you know we were saying it ourselves that it has a lack of direction a lack of accountability at the club and um, I guess the way that um, you know things have been handled like the whole um, you know having Wusher and Rutten as coaches well who's the actual coach uh, you know the talk about you know the situation with Hooker, Hurley, Bell, Chambers, that had obviously caused some uh, some friction within the group and, uh, you know, rumblings about whatever happened at the hub, um, you know, obviously rubbed some players up the wrong way. So I think the, the club did have a responsibility to, um, you know, line, um, line out to the players, look, you know, this is where we've gone wrong. This is what we're going to do to, to try to fix and improve that. Um but uh, yeah, I, th- I think um, slinging mud at each other, um, you know, and, and like on your way out or anything like that, isn't a very uh, you know productive thing to do. Um, so yeah, look, if if players aren't happy, I'm um, you know comfortable seeing them. Um, you know, move on to new adventures. Yes, it, it hurts to see them go because you know players like Saad and and Danaher. Um, like are great players on their on their day, uh, and anyone who, who sort of would dispute that, um, you know, have got their their eyes shut. I think um, so. It hurts to see him go, but um, overall, if we're going to try to build a, uh, a solid culture um, where blokes look out for each other, where they love the sash, they play for the jumper, play for each other, um, we can't have division in the group, and uh, yeah does sound uh, that, you know, Brash is looking at everything off the field uh, to try and get things right. And uh, it sounds like that, uh, um, um, oh, geez, it's drawn, drawn a blank there. Um, but Rutten... Well, it's um, starting is, to bear some fruit, isn't it, in terms of 
the way that they've, um, you know, we've made a pretty swift decision mm. um, with Dan Richardson uh, mm. being a casualty so far. Mm. Um, yeah, to me, that that's pretty bold in terms of, I would have thought the club may have tried to, you know, maybe get through trade period and then announce something like that. But um, they made the, the decision to go, you know, during the free agency and before the trade period. So, um, you know, sometimes clubs are worried about what that will actually say to incoming people. Like, you know, um, is the club in good shape that they're still in the midst of, you know, removing removing the head of football uh, casual, you know, just you know, prior to the trade period? Or do I want to go there? Sounds like there's a little bit of going on, if you know what I mean, like, if you can be sold like a place like, you know, in relation to say Geelong or Richmond where, you know, they're all seem to be all going in the same direction. I guess, um, you know, that could hurt your brand a little bit during this period, but um, I, I like the conviction of it in terms of um, the way the club just said, no, nah, he's not the person that can take us to the next level, nothing personal against him, um, which is, you know, they made that very clear, but, there was concerns that he couldn't take us to the next level and we need a, a more experienced person and that, that'll drive our culture having that more experienced person. So, um, yeah, that's, I thought that was quite bold. What about you, mate? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is because I mean, he, he's talked well to the media and, um, uh, and he, I mean, he seems to be quite a, a professional person, Dan Richardson, but uh, if the club has done a review and like, you know, sort of seen fit that he's not the right person for the job, yeah, it is a, a big move. Um, and I'm hoping they do a proper, like it, by the sounds of it, they're going to do a proper recruitment um, for for someone who is experienced um, in the role who can, as you say, really drive things going forward for the betterment of the club. Um I'm sort of like there's a couple of names being thrown around as to who might be considered for the role. Like you got, um, which, which one was it? Was it Brad Scott? Um, yeah, Brad Scott. Yeah, yeah, Brad Scott, and uh, yeah, other people have sort of floated Rocket Eid um, as potential suitors. Like, yes, very experienced in in footy, but I'm not sure. Like, I mean, Brad Scott hasn't done the football operations role. Like he has. Uh, coached obviously and has a you know quite a um, a good resume in terms of his uh, his footy knowledge and uh, and everything like that but I'm not sure the football operations side of things uh, whether he'd have a full handle on on, on all that um, uh, but you know this these are uh, names being thrown up and I guess the promising thing for me is um, we're looking outside of the club uh, to bring in uh, people with new perspectives that don't have that, uh, I suppose, rose-coloured glasses effect of going, oh, this is the Essendon Football Club. How bloody brewing are we? Um, yeah, someone external might come in and say, oh, geez, there's some issues here. There's X, Y, and Z. This is how we, we're going to fix them. Um, because I think that's, that's really important that we don't get, um, I guess, uh, too, too full of ourselves to say that, like Essendon is such a great footy club that, uh, you know, we don't need anyone from the outside to tell us how to do things. I think we do need people from the outside to, to point out where we've, um, 
where we've gone wrong to hopefully improve those areas. So, um, yeah, I don't know. What do you reckon about the, the names raised, mate? Yeah, well, there's been a number of ones. I guess Brad Scott was the most uh, prominent that the Herald Sun went with. But um, to my mind, you can't ask for a more... You're asking for more experienced persons. Um, but Brad Scott hasn't got the same experience as like, um, someone who's been dedicated in that role. So we, we obviously know Brad coached uh, Brad coached um, at North Melbourne over a decade there and um, got to a number of prelims but couldn't get to the, the next level um, and then went to the AFL to work for a year. So I don't think that would say – that doesn't scream out to me that's – a lot of experience in the role that uh, that's going to be advertised. So um, I think uh, Vozzo from uh, West Coast would be a great option, um, you know, if he wanted to come over to Victoria. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know which way they're going to head this. You know, I guess they said that they'll, they're still in the middle of the review. The review will be finished near the end of November and then they'll have a targeted uh, what was the words they use? They have a targeted, um, uh, you know, appraisal of who's out there, and um, and, and bringing people to uh, interview for that role. So, um, I think I'm just getting the feeling it's going to be a real massive decision for the bombers uh, for the years ahead. I think it's going to be a key. It's one that we have to get right um, because you know with Ben Rutten being such a young coach. Um, and a relatively um, young assistant coach is underneath him now, you know, with Mark Harvey basically leaving the coaching group. Uh, he's still with the club, but not in the, the same coaching role. When you look at his assistants, um, you know, you've got uh, Blake Carousella. Uh, you've then got um, the new uh, new one we've added, mate, Daniel Jean Syracuse, sorry, uh, from the... Um, Bulldogs has come across. Uh, you've got Dan Jordan. Um, you've got James Kelly. Um, I guess Lee Tudor, I think, is going to coach our VFL side or whatever the competition ends up being called. Uh, I think he's going to coach our second side. Um, am I missing someone, mate, there? Uh, there's a, there's a, um, it's a fairly young coaching group overall. So... I could see the reason why you'd want a senior figure to um, back them up. Yeah, I guess you could. But, um, yeah, look, as long as they do, you know, due diligence in the process, uh, I'd be much more comfortable with that than um, what's previously happened in that someone's basically been ushered in, um, you know, given a couple of years, and then we realised, oh, wait, no, that wasn't the right person. Um, So... Yeah, I guess that's a big hope for me that we, uh, you know, choose wisely and uh, look at all options and, uh, yeah, just uh, look for the most experienced and, and best fit uh, that we can see out there. Yeah. Uh, Cam Roberts is another one who's um, part of the coaching group. So, like, yeah, these are these are all coaches that are fairly young. So, um, you know, Privately, mate, I, I don't think he's on the table. I think I heard him say that he's um, committed to Richmond again. Neil Baum would have been a great personality to get. Uh, he's got a history of find, uh, you know, finding success, Neil Baum. Um, you know, so I'd love to ha- would have had him 
as a great first selection to at least um, get a run at that job. Mm. But um, if it's not going to be Neil, um, yeah, I just hope they do their due diligence and they're not um, single focused. Like if someone um, they may not have felt was their first candidate shows that they should be, um, I would hope they would make that selection rather than uh, having someone in mind and, and just uh, choosing the narrative, you know, to say, well, that's the guy we wanted, so we'll justify it this way. Um, mm. Yeah, take the best person, and um, if if that's a surprise to you, and you still believe that they're the ones that should do it, make that bold call of picking them out. But, um, yeah, it's going to be a huge decision, mate. And if we get that right, um, it'll go a long way for the bombers to edge up the ladder. Mm, I'll take for that. Yeah. Um, Obviously, we've got Kevin Sheedy and Sean Wellman uh, heading up this, uh, well, mainly Sean Wellman um, re- you know, leading this uh, internal review uh, with Paul Brasher. He's the footy head of that. Um, and we got the email today, mate, to say that you know, obviously we knew that they were both up for re-election. Um, it's going to be, you know, obviously we think they'll get through, but it'd be pretty um, damning if... Uh, Sean Wellman was in, in charge of this review and he, he wasn't to get um, into the into the final board. Um, yeah, the, I don't know what kind of a look that would be, but I, I, I presume that he'll get through. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, his role is going to be very important in this. Um, obviously, Paul Brasher said he's not a footy person in terms of, you know, within the, the, the actual playing ranks. He's, you know... He's a very astute uh, judging places like uh, processes and uh, what's set up in place, but you know, he's not, he doesn't have the footy IQ that Sean Wellman would. So that information Sean gathers that is then on path to Paul is going to be very important, um, you know, in his decision making, I imagine. So, yeah, it's going to be. Interesting time, even off field for the Bombers. Yeah, well, mate. Um, yeah, so they're, um, what do you call it? Well, those positions come up on the 15th of December, I think. So, uh, you know, potentially that uh, that review gets done before then. But, I mean, I, I think uh, they're, they're probably um, going for a safe bet and saying, oh, yeah, nah, surely Sean Wellman and, uh, and Kevin Sheedy will get through. I think um, you know anyone coming up against them, um, yeah, for positions of the border will be, yeah, definitely hard up against it. Uh, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes and um, and what actual outcomes come out from this review. Um, like because it wouldn't just be, uh, you know, I want this person in that position um, and this is their role. There has to be actual outcomes in terms of our uh, how we structure our, our leadership group, how our communications come out to the fans, um, and certainly one thing I'm hoping uh, will be looked at. Not that that'll be uh, published, I dare say, but um, leaks to the media and stuff like that. Um, I, like I, I'm a bit concerned that uh, some stuff seems to be leaked. Um, like fairly regularly when things aren't going well. Um, so I'm hoping they can plug some of those, but, uh, you know, it's uh, 
that's just one of my uh, bugbears. Uh, but look, I'm I'm um, happy they're actually doing this <clears throat> review. Uh, the only thing that uh, you know, I'm a bit hesitant about is like it is an internal review. Um, like yes, it sounds like all the accountability is there, but uh, certainly I feel a uh, external. Um, review would have been warranted given the uh, sort of issues we've had and, and how long we've had these issues at the bombers. Uh, but yeah, this is this is what we're we've gone with. So uh, I guess we can just hope for the best. Yeah. Now um, back to the, I guess the trading part of the show. Um, obviously, we know uh, Adam Sard had requested a trade. Um, and that was that's really disappointed us. And even Xavier Campbell said it did um, surprise the bombers, like they were really disappointed. Uh, basically, they thought that he would re-sign with the bombers, but um, he made his decision pretty quickly. And uh, Xavier basically conceded that you know we wouldn't be able to turn him around. He's, he'd made a strong decision and one he wasn't going to be uh, backing away from. So now it's just about getting the best value for a player like Adam Saad, who's you know finished in our top four of our best and fairest three years in a row. So it's a big loss. Um, obviously, our understanding is that Essendon, Zara, or Essendon and Carlton are both in agreement that pick eight has to be involved to get this trade across. Uh, but it's more about what Carlton want in return with pick eight. And... You know, in terms of they'll give pick eight up, but they want something back. Um, so there was talk that they wanted a second round pick, which uh, currently in this year's draft we don't have at this stage unless they wait for the Fantasia deal to go through, which is um, an option to get a second round pick maybe there. But, um, you know, to me, if you're, if we're going to give up, basically, if, We've got to give up a second round pick and Adam Saad, and we're only getting pick eight in return. Um, you know, it's, I don't know if that's true value because, you know, Saadi was just so, so uh, special to us in terms of how we set up and, and so forth. And even though he was disappointed with his role in the end, um, he still had a good year. So um, it's going to be very interesting how the club play around with that in terms of uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of back and forth. There was some talk about um, players at Carlton that potentially could be offered to Essendon in terms of like Paddy Dow and um, uh, Luke O'Brien, I think his name is, um, was another one. They're players that were early early round picks for or early first round picks for Carlton that haven't really come on. But um I don't know, mate. It sounds pretty messy, to be honest. I, I think it's going to be one of those ones that doesn't get resolved too early in the piece because, you know, knowing uh, Adrian Dodore, he always tries to do the best for us as a club, which he should. But, um, yeah, I think he's going to be pretty firm that he wants that pick eight and we shouldn't have to give up something as strong as pick two selection back. Yeah, it'll be interesting because we've obviously got a number of um, you know targets we we want to go over and whether we want to use that pick eight early uh, to grab one of those 
so that we can knock over a few other dominoes um, will remain to be seen. But uh, yeah, uh, I mean, you can only deal with the cards you've got. Uh, currently, we don't have a second rounder. Um, and while there might be one in the uh, in the future for, for Fantasia, um, well, nothing's nothing's real until it's actually in your hand. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that one plays out. Yeah, um, okay. Well, that follows into the Horatio trade. Uh, he's nominated Port Adelaide as his club of choice. Uh, I listened to their... Um, uh, their head of football, I think he's uh, Davies, Craig Davies, I think his name is. Um, he was saying that um, they had you know, early conversations with the club, with Essendon, um, to get kind of an understanding of uh, where this was going to be met. Um, I think Port currently have picked 26 and 31, I think it is. And I think uh, behind the scenes, it's been said that uh, Port would be prepared to offer pick 26. And um, I even heard a sweetener would be added, like potentially a, a Riley Bonner and um, and pick 26 for Ratio Fantasia. Um, have you got much information on Riley Bonner, mate? I think I think he's um, a halfback flanker, but what are you yeah, doing so, here, so he's, um, you know, 23 years of age. He's uh, 190 centimetres, so six foot three. Um, yeah, 85 kegs. He's a defender. Um, yeah, I mean, he's uh, what made his debut in 2016, um, for Port, and uh, you know, even received a sort of rising star nomination in 2018. He had a uh, big game against Frio, he racked up 31 disposals, um, yeah, against Frio there. Um, so yeah, he's he's probably one that's um, you know, might be on the fringes of uh, Port. I mean, he's played forty two games um, uh, over his career at, at Port. Um, uh, so you know, it sounds like he's uh, yeah, he might be looking for an opportunity. And you know, we're obviously looking for um, yeah <laughs> to replace their halfback flankers, uh, blokes who can who can play the role and. Uh, yeah, but apart from that, I I, um, I don't have a, a massive um, sort of read on him as to how he plays or anything like that. Mm. Yeah, well, um, like on the surface, uh, you know, I guess, you know, how limited Raz has been getting on the park and when he has got on the park, he looks like he's sore, hasn't been able to play through. Um, you know, once he gets... Uh, as, Brendan Goddard said, is once he gets body awareness, a bit of soreness, he, he really does struggle to um, play through that. So I think, um, yeah, I think, yeah, potentially that could be as, about as good as we could hope for, considering Port don't have a first round selection, which um, they'd already traded that last year to Brisbane. So um, whether the club would be able to accept something like that. That would be up to Adrian, obviously. But I think, um, again, I, I think the club will try and get that one done fairly quickly um, because, personally, um, once they, they're sympathetic that Raz wants to go home and he's always been pretty much up front to them that 
at some point he'd want to go home to his family, which I guess we should understand as people ourselves. Like we probably do more familiar with family. And if you can, I think he's uh, partners from Adelaide as well. So she probably wants to get back home. Um, so, yeah, I think all things being measured, hopefully that one's that gets ticked off pretty quickly. Um, but on the surface, I think pick 26 and a player like Riley Bonner could be, you know, fairly good get for us. Um, obviously, it's a bit like the Danaher one, mate. Both of the Danaher and Fantasia, if they got going, um, we're going to have fingers pointed as saying, oh, look what you left go, because they're incredibly talented players. They kick almost 100 goals combined in 2017. Um, I know that's a long time ago, but they were um, dynamic back then. And, um, yeah, we could be made to look pretty silly that they're gone, but let's face it, mate, we it wasn't being done with no trying that we've tried to keep them at the club and we haven't been able to keep them on the park or keep them happy. So um, I just think we cut our losses, take what we can get and build from there. Yep, fair call that. Yeah. Um, obviously, we've got um, some targets now that um, we've all of a sudden got apparently a big war chest to draw on. <laughs> <laughs> We're finally going to crack it open. And uh, there's been talk that potentially we've got about $2.5 million to spend um, from that war chest um, that we could you know, go out and hunt some players and obviously the main one that we seem to be uh, most linked to uh, is you know Josh Dunkley which would be a massive get I really rate that kid he's 23 years old um, premiership player for the Bulldogs uh, yeah, big body um, you know that's what kind of player we've been missing in that midfield you know, you know 190 plus centimetres you know that kind of player that's got that bit of height because you know we're pretty much one side <laughs> one size sorry um in the midfield so he would be a massive get he's still under contract he's got two years to go there at the Bulldogs so um when you try to get a player like that you know you're going to have to um please that other party and at, at first they came out the Bulldogs and said there's no chance that he's moving and I noticed both clubs have gone quiet on that so that says to me that uh, there's been reports Dunkley's told his teammates he wants to go to Essendon. He's told senior figures at the Bulldogs he wants to go to Essendon. So I think the dogs are slowly coming around to the realisation that it's hard to keep a player when he doesn't want to be there. And um, they've got such a strong midfield of Bulldogs that they can't make promises to him that I oh, will give you more midfield time or whatever because, you know, players like McRae and Bontepalli and, you know, the list goes on at Bulldogs. They have a very strong midfield. Um, they can't guarantee him what he wants, and Essendon can, and um, probably probably give him a bit of a sweeter payment too. So, um, yeah, he'd be a massive get if we do work out a way to get him. And I guess the hard thing on that is that we've um, – what's helped me with the bloke's name again, mate? Jamar. Oh, Jamar Oogle-Hagen. Yeah, yeah. So he, um, because he could potentially be bidded on, even if Essendon gave them picks early, that could uh, they could be dissolved just by one club having a bid, and 
they become kind of worthless to the dogs. So I would imagine they're going to ask for first round picks next year. Yeah, well, they, they could, mate, but I mean, it's, uh, I know there's a lot to work out there. Um, yeah, obviously, it'd be, it'd be massive for us. Uh, and if he's already told, you know, coaches and, and other players that's where he wants to go, generally the deals get done. Uh, so I'm going to back into Doro here and see what he can do. Um, personally, um, you know, this he is a player I'll be willing to overpay for uh, in terms of, uh, you know, whether it's picks or, or whatever, uh, because he feels a, like a need that we have right now. Um, whereas, you know, in the past, you know, we've gone for really talented players that, you know, they might be better than uh, someone who, who plays there currently, but it's not an actual need. Whereas that big bodied inside mid, that's, that's what we need. Um, to help sort of release players like Merritt and Shield, um, and yeah, McGrath as well, uh, because you know we definitely saw when when Shield was um, had to be the one to you know stand up and be that big body inside mid. It's not the role he's um, he's sort of designed to to play. So um, he would be massive for us. Uh, so yeah, um, backing you in, uh, Adrian Dodoro, and uh, yeah, let's hope it gets done. Yeah, well, it's not the first time players have said they want to come to Essendon and sometimes we can't get the deal done, mate. And uh, Jack Martin was one um, only a couple of years ago uh, where he wanted to come to Essendon. Um, the Gold Coast wouldn't budge, couldn't get him to agree. And uh, he then the following year nominated Carlton. And obviously the one before that that sticks to mind is uh, Josh Cuddy. Um you know, many years ago, he nominated Essendon, uh, wanted to come to Essendon, had family issues that said he, why he wanted to come to Victoria. Gold Coast again dug their heels in and said, "No, you're not. Um, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to let you go." And again, the following year, he chose to go to Geelong. So, um, yeah, it's one that I hope the Doro can get done, but um, because I've seen it in the past. <laughs> I am a little bit worried that if um, the dogs do dig their heels in and he's a contracted player, it's very hard to get through. So we have to make it as appealing as possible to the dogs. And um, I guess uh, from a Dunkley point of view, it sounds like that uh, his brother Kyle will be part of the package. So uh, keeping it all in the family, uh, the speculation is Kyle Dunkley would come to Essendon as a delisted free agent because um, he actually got uh, released by Melbourne. So the club could nominate him as a delisted player. Um, so that'll be interesting. Um, you know, he's obviously, he's not as uh, tall as Josh, but, um, and obviously he hasn't played as many games. He's played five games for Melbourne, but um you know, the club, by all accounts, has actually offered that to Josh and Kyle to say, I will get you both playing for the Bombers if, um, you know, if you want to come across. So um, we'll see if that's true, uh, if we're able to get the Josh Dunkley one through. Yeah, geez. It's uh, yeah, a bit of the old uh, Jackson and Zach Merritt going on there. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll... 
We'll see how it turns out. Yeah. Um, Jai Colwell, you mentioned, mate. That's the other one. Um, you know, a, a number of clubs were trying to get his uh, approval to be the club of choice, but it was the Bombers who came out on top. And um, he's a really good player for a 20 year old kid. Um, if you have a look at some of his highlights, he's again another one of those ones who works really hard under the ball. As a bit of a release play in terms of getting the ball out to, as you said, we're trying to get players get the ball a bit more free ball to players like, um, you know, Shield and Merritt, um, you know, and McGrath. You know, these kind of players, if, if you can get them right, and he's had some soft tissue injuries in the past, uh, Jai Caldwell, but uh, yeah, if you watch him, just the way he works under the packs, uh, especially from his under 18 highlights and so forth. He's a really exciting prospect. And um, yeah, the Bombers did well to win his, um, you know, win his nomination to be the club of choice. Yeah, absolutely. He'd be, um, he'd be a good get for us. i to say 20 years old. He's, he's played the 11 games for GWS at the moment. And uh, yeah, everyone's got massive raps on him. Um, you know, I think, uh, I can't remember who it was, but someone asked, um, uh, I don't know if it was Phil Davis. Yeah. Phil Davis, who they'd uh, love to lock in for the next 10 years or, or something like that. And he straight away said, Jai Caldwell, like he just sees such promise in, uh, in Jai. Um, so he'd be, um, he'd be massive for us. Uh, again, that sort of inside mid type to, um, to really, really help us. And you look at the age demographic of, um, you know, people we're sort of looking at, um, you know, we, whether it was a Riley Bonner or Josh Dunkley, um, you know, and Jai Caldwell as well, you know, talking 23, 24, and then 20 years of age for, for Jai. Um, so we are thinking longer term. Um, but the other big thing there, James, is uh, like you look at their, their height. And I mean, Jai Caldwell, like he's not massive, but he is, um, you know, 183 centimetres. So certainly does, uh, he is a, he would be a bigger body um, uh, for the Essendon Football Club midfield, certainly. Um, so, like, I, th- I think the club has looked at our um, uh, sort of age demographics and gone, look, this is the uh, sort of uh, cracks of players that we need. This is the age groups we need to uh, sort of develop as a as a group and and really uh, go forward. Uh, but also the the size of these players, like Josh Dunkley, as you said, mate, like 190 centimetres. Um, you know, Riley, Riley Bonner, 190 centimetres. Like whether they actually come to fruition or not, the the fact that the club is looking to um, you know, look, we just got bullied um, on the park by by other teams who who did have these bigger bodies. We can't keep um, going out with these shorter players because we just had no presence in the air. Um, and we'd, uh, yeah, we get found out very quickly. So, uh, yeah, he, he definitely fits a, um, fits a need. And, uh, yeah, if we can get a couple of players like that, that can, uh, yeah, really help us in the midfield and help, um, yeah, blokes like Zach Merritt get a bit more time to, uh, you know, weigh up his kicks and deliver efficiently inside 50, um, that'd make a huge difference for us. Yeah. All right. Well, um, why don't we have a quick break, mate, and we'll come back. We've got a little bit more to discuss, but um, have a quick break and we'll uh, come back after this, this break. Beauty. 
You're listening to Don's Cast. And as we continue, uh, some other speculation made about some of our potential trade targets. And we don't know how much of this is true. And, you know, I guess um, we're only reporting what we're reading either off Blitz or, um, you know, off Harold Sarn and other news outlets. But uh, the latest one is Nick Hine trying to get him back. Um, obviously, he's a VFL player for a number of years and, yeah, he had that elite speed, mate. He's one that, um, yeah, I would have liked to have got a bit earlier than trying to get him now, but um, he seemed to fall out of favour with the Saints uh, late in the season. Um, but he's got that breakneck speed that, um, you know, could be really handy, especially, you know, considering the halfback flankers we lost. Um, I think he's about 26 years of age now, but... Um, Still got a number of years of footy left in him. And, uh, yeah, I think the club is, uh, you know, if they, if they are working towards that, I think he'd be a good acquisition. Uh, I think he'd come relatively cheaply as well. Yeah, potentially, mate. And uh, it would be interesting to see him uh, come back in the red and black. Like, he um, yeah, really seemed to cement a spot in St Kilda. Like, he's played the 21 games over there, but... Yeah, if he has fallen out of favour, um, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, now we've actually seen him at AFL level, uh, which is a completely different, um, you know, measure really than than VFL. Um, and I guess, like, in terms of wearing the red and black, mate, the the one thing that like I'll always be reminded of is uh, I can't remember was it the prelim uh, in the VFL where he. Uh, so ripped through the middle of the ground and uh, kicked the ball to Jimmy Stewart uh, in the forward line to to kick the kick the goal. Uh, so he won that game. Was it against Richmond? Um, yeah, I remember that, mate. It was a brilliant look. Uh, player of the day stuff, wasn't it? From the yeah, half back line. Yeah, it was just fantastic, and like he really just ripped through um, like their midfield. They they just couldn't catch him. He's a really uh, sort of wiry. Um, player and uh, yeah, can hit targets really well, which is uh, obviously hard to do when you're going at breakneck speed, as you say, James. Um, so he'd definitely be one I'd I'd be interested in. Uh, hopefully, would be interested in in coming back to the Dons because obviously we are going to lose a lot of speed. Um, you know, obviously with Sardi going out, uh, with McKenna, um, Fantasia, um, you know, Vigo. So. Um, I guess in terms of uh, the rest of the list we've got currently, the one thing we don't have a lot of is that uh, that real fast speed. I think probably Shield is um, is is one who's got it, but he, he he's obviously playing quite a different role. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so apart from that, we don't really have any super fast uh, players, and he'd be very useful uh, to have if we can get him. Uh, but that's that's all the trick of it, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, another one from the Saints. Well, a few from the Saints, actually. Um, there was reports on Thursday that Seb Ross was seen at Tullamarine, um, which uh, obviously is the cousin of uh, Joe Watson. Um, so he obviously has a family linked to the club, but a uh, bit of a surprise. I think he's 27. He's been in the Saints leadership group for a long time, and uh, he's one of their real leaders. And... Um, Again, um, I don't know. There hasn't been that much reported after the fact, but 
Uh, Gary Lyon said on SEN that he was definitely at Tullamarine doing a medical um, on the Thursday. So um, whether he was a backup if the Josh Dunkley trade doesn't get done, I'm not sure. Maybe the, the Saints are looking for a bit of salary cap relief. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure what the dynamics behind it, but um, he's definitely an experienced player that could help a lot of the, of the footy club. But um, I'd be a bit weary if we're getting Dunkley, Caldwell and Ross, because that would be, you basically got three players that win the footy indoors, like, you know, try to win the ball, um, sorry, in, in space, uh, sorry, not in space, in, in, the, con- in the contest. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting if we are going down that track. Yeah, it is. I mean, obviously, he'd be a very welcome addition. Like, he's he won the uh, St Kilda's Best and Fairest in 2017 and 2019. So it's not like he's uh, fallen off a cliff. Um, um, yes, potentially there's a, a salary cap thing there. But look, if we've got this, yeah, <laughs> I hate using the word, word war chest, mate, because it always reminds me of North Melbourne. They never land any players. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, he'd be... Fantastic, and I don't know, like, because um, obviously, if we if we were successful and we got all three, uh, you, I mean, you, you wouldn't think we'd go all three of them, but um, if we did, where does that leave uh, players like, you know, Darcy Parish, um, you know, other guys who want to play midfield, like even Devin Smith wants to play more midfield, um, you know, whether. That means Kyle Langford is consigned to the forward line, which isn't a bad thing for us fans. But um, you know, whether he uh, you know, has aspirations to join the midfield again, uh, so it'd be a very interesting proposition. But geez, I'd uh, I'd absolutely jump at him uh, joining the side, mate. Yeah, well, he definitely had a lot of experience, and um, as I said, he's got that loose family link to the Bombers. So, um, you know, Uncle Tim might um. Might be very happy to have him down at the Bombers. Um, Jimmy Webster um, is another one that, from the Saints that yeah has been mentioned. He's a uh, I think he's about one eighty eight maybe centimetre uh, halfback flanker. Had a lot of injuries over his time, um, so I wasn't that wrapped about being linked to him. But um, uh, Matty Lloyd said on Trade Radio that he rated Jimmy Webster pretty highly. So. Must be something there that um, that's appealing, at least. Uh, he's under contract at St Kilda. So, again, that would be um, interesting to see if St Kilda are looking for some assistance to get some other players in. They need to release a couple out and maybe they've come to the Bombers for some help there. Um, Tom McDonald is another one, um, you know, you can play key forward or key back, but um, he had a great year for for Melbourne, I think, in 2018. Um, but, uh, you know, well, maybe it was 17, actually. Uh, but the the knock on him, he's had a pretty bad year and a half at least. And, um, uh, you know, I know Melbourne fans, I know some Melbourne fans, and, you know, they really don't have much time for him. And, um, you know, he's... Is he too one-dimensional? Is he, you know that'll be interesting to see. What is, what have you heard on him, mate? I mean, like not much to be. I mean, because I know just after listening to the Sash podcast that yeah, you know, those in the debrief 
Um, yeah, they're they're not big big fans of him. Um, but as I say, like he won Melbourne's goal kicking in 2018, and that's when they were um, they were really fit firing and and looking like a good side. Like, um, so like he obviously can uh, play quite well. Um, and you never know because obviously after 2018, Melbourne's sort of fallen off a cliff in terms of their um, their, their playing ability. They were, you know, they were pushing for prelims and you know maybe looking to go uh, further. But it's like 2019 and and certainly this year, uh, they they haven't even looked like it. So uh, yeah, maybe his his form has been, uh, I guess, part and parcel of of that and in that. You know, obviously not just affecting him, it's impacting the whole team. Uh, and uh, maybe that's one reason he's fallen out of favour because he's not kicking the goals that he was in 2018. But uh, who knows, mate? But at 194 centimetres, um, you know, he's obviously able to crash the packs and um, has shown he's been able to kick goals in the past. Um, and obviously we have a big need for a key forward, uh, you know, with... Uh, uh, McKernan retiring with Joe Danaher leaving. Um, as we've discussed here, like we don't see Jimmy Stewart as the the prime forward in your forward line. He's a very good number two, uh, but I don't see him as a prime forward. So perhaps a um, you know a guy like McDonald uh, could flourish in this environment. Um, yeah, I'm sure lots of people uh, you know pale at the thought. Uh, we'd we'd much rather go with other options. Um, yeah, particularly at the age of 28, I think uh, you know, he doesn't seem to be suiting the age demographic we're going for. But, you know, we, we do need to look at all our options and, uh, yeah, see uh, see how we go. Another option up forward, mate, is um, Peter Wright. Um, now, well, two-metre Peter, as they call him. Um, uh, he's, um, well, the knock on him is that, you know, if uh, Ben King was able to keep him out of the side for so long, if he had so much talent, how could the Gold Coast Suns not even have a look at him much this year? So, you know, he hasn't played regular senior footy for a couple of years now. So um, he's still fairly young. I think he's only 23 or 24 himself. So, again, he'd be one of those players that fit that demographic that we're after. But he's not... um. You know, uh, he's a player that was on a fairly healthy contract at the Suns. So, again, how much money uh, do we want to pay for for a player that has been pretty unproven the last year or so? So, um, yeah, I think that'll be a consideration. Uh, but we certainly need a forward. It sounds like we're out of the Ben Brown game. It looks like that he's going to go to the D's and he's set to nominate tomorrow, I believe. But all talks are that he will choose Melbourne. Um, and I don't know how far Essendon even got into that conversation. I'm sure if they were really keen, um, his manager, Adam Ramanaskis, would have put a good word for, for us in. But, um, yeah, I don't. I just don't get the feeling that we've, we've shown too much interest in Ben Brown and, um, you know, Melbourne have. So... Uh, I think he's probably one that we won't get. Yeah, well, it, it sort of makes sense to me because um, obviously, um, you know, he, he would command a, a hefty contract uh, and I'm not sure 
that we'd be willing to to pay that at this stage of his career. What is he? Twenty eight, twenty nine, or so. Um, he is one dimensional. Uh, the one thing that um, he's really good at is uh, you know lead up forward. I'm not sure our forward line structures up uh, in a way that uh, would allow him to to do that to to best effect. And and certainly, we need to fix up a whole lot of other areas of our game to. Um, uh, to make sure our forward line is able to uh, function properly uh, because I guess the one thing that always stands out to me is our leading patterns um, and our ability to, um, yeah, I suppose, enter efficiently inside 50. Uh, so I feel like a, um, you know, bringing in Ben Brown now at this stage of his career and at this stage of our development, um, I suppose redevelopment rather, uh, in the midfield and, on the half back, knowing that we've now got to recruit, um, you know, t- a couple of half backs to to fill those uh, those voids filled by Sardi and McKenna. Um, I, I do think we need someone to, who's able to be there for a few years to develop and um, I suppose build some cohesion with the rest of the club. And uh, yeah, I think Ben Brown's playing days might be uh, sort of over by the time uh, we're able to to really uh, start pushing for a tilt. Uh, at the flag that's just my opinion so that's probably why um, well mostly the salary cap but I think that's probably one of the big considerations why we haven't gone down that path yeah okay well that makes sense I guess but um yeah originally I must admit I I was in the yeah let's get Ben Brown you know because I remember he's torched us a couple of times mate um you know it would probably be a bit annoying having to watch him take those uh, 100 metre uh, <laughs> long run-ups uh, each week. But, um, like, he has torched us in the past. Like, uh, he had a rotten year this year, but, you know, three years in a row where he kicked 60-plus goals, I, I thought, you know, um, at least he'd be out in the park more regularly than Joe. And, um, yes, he is one-dimensional, but you know what you're getting with him. Um, but that, you know, obviously the club hasn't seen it that way and they thought um, they needed to focus on their, their inner midfield, which um, obviously we're addressing. But, um, yeah, I, I just feel we have to land some key forward during this period um, because I just don't think we can go Jimmy Stewart and Jaden Laverde um, as our main key tools. And, you know, you're going to need... Jake Stringer to kick 60-odd goals for you to be competitive, um, you know, for a season um, because you're just not going to have any height up there. So, um, you know, even if you tried Hooker back up forward, uh, he's lost a yard of speed. Um, you know, I just, yeah, I think we just need to get one at least in. And even if that player is Tom McDonald, which I don't believe he will be, but if it was... Um, Maybe for two years you could have that until Harrison Jones comes up and, you know, there's been other talk about maybe potentially trading two of our draft picks to try and move up to pick two if uh, Adelaide got pick two for Crouch and uh, go for the young key forward out of Western Australia, Logan McDonald. Um, he's a big lump of a lad who looks like a you know, real player of the future. There's uh, bit of raps that he could be like a Tom Hawkins, mate. So um, that's the kind of player that you're looking at as a young player. Um, but again, 
a lot would have to come off to get that right. So, um, yeah, that key forward position, mate, you got any idea on or theory how we'll go? Well, I think the um, big thing really that we will be looking for is um, that that key forward that can play a bit in the ruck. And I guess that's what, um, you know, Peter Wright does offer. Um, yeah, 203 centimetres, he's, uh, he's going to be pretty handy. Rucking, um, you know, I guess until we've um, heard news on list sizes and budgets and all the rest of it, um, yeah, when we're probably not going to be able to see whether, uh, you know, Phillips gets another another run. Um, I, like, I think he's definitely worth it, but... Um, yeah, perhaps a, a Peter Wright uh, would uh, would fit us fairly well. I would, I would be less in the in the McDonald camp, just like you, mate. Um, but certainly someone who can play forward, um, kick a couple of goals for us, um, and help out in the ruck. Because obviously, with Sam Draper, uh, we wanting to continue playing in the number one ruck role. He does need a bit of a chop out every now and then. Uh, so certainly having someone who is able to be, uh, I guess, reliable to at least make a contest and uh, bring the ball to ground for our crummers uh, up forward would be, um, yeah, certainly a, a big consideration, uh, you know, if I, was, if I was picking a key forward. So I'd be more in the Peter Wright basket than anything else. Uh, but, you know, you never know who else is out there, who else we're talking to. And, uh, yeah, what about yourself, mate? What are you thinking? Yeah, I just think you know, it could be one that comes out of left field. Sometimes in trade week, um, it's not until a few days in that some of these big, uh, well, ones that you're not expecting comes out. But, um, yeah, I think there's going to be some names that we haven't mentioned yet potentially get floated as options. So uh, it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, I really like the look of that Logan McDonald. Um, yeah, he's been playing in senior footy already, uh, and you know, did very well up there. So, I think he would be a really good get if we could find our way to to land him. But, um, yeah, the, the big play is that this year we've got a couple of players that, in the draft, mate, that are um, academy players. Um, one's a fullback, and one is a a bit of a forward, mate, who's got uh, very impressive athletic ability. So, um, yeah, when you're looking at, I think, uh, Josh Iyer and um, Cody Brand, are, you know, they're both players that the Bombers have in their next generation academy. They're both obviously key position players that um, we, re- we really desperately need to have underneath Um at least if they're not going to play footy uh, in the senior side immediately, they'll give us that depth in that position and, and have them uh, you know, pushing up into that category in a couple of years' time when some of our uh, older players start to retire. So um, if we can land our two academy players, um, you know, both you know, 190 centimetres plus, um, you know, you've got Harrison Jones who... Um, I think it's going to be a very good player that we didn't see this year uh, due to, you know, he had an injury and also he didn't come right until near the end of the season. So we couldn't even get a taste of what, what was to come. But, um, yeah, I think he's going to be a player for us. And, um, yeah, I, I just think 
you know, we, we just do need a, another key forward in the meantime while we've got these young players coming up. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I mean, those those kids sound um, sound very promising, but we uh, we we also saw uh, this year that you know we basically put all our eggs in the one basket with Sean McKernan. Um, he wasn't able to take that opportunity uh, because we had Danaher on the sidelines, we had Stewart on the sidelines, and we just had no structure up forward, and it really hurt us. So um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see us get um, one, if not two. Um, so bigger bodies in there. It'll be interesting to see um, what happens with, uh, you know, currently listed players, whether they're given another run at it. Because um, I thought, um, who was a, uh, a sort of bloke we rookie, uh, Jane, didn't play a game for us and went home late in the year? Uh, uh, Henry uh, Crawford? They, yeah. Like, what? Actually, yeah. from the from the highlights we saw, I wouldn't mind having a... Um, like a bit of a ping at him because he like he's got a big body, seems to throw his weight around, and actually seemed pretty handy off the deck as well. Like he didn't mind, uh, you know, getting in there for the rough stuff and uh, yeah, throwing his throwing his body around and kicking a couple of goals and taking some marks. Um, look, you know, whether that would be able to transfer to AFL level uh, left to be unseen. But I mean, um, I, I'd rather have a crack at him than um, you know offer uh, you know two or uh, like sort of two-year contracts to to people who uh, might be on their last legs as it stands. So um, yeah, we'll we'll see how that all plays out. But we definitely need at least one, um, you know, big, uh, I suppose, key forward, uh, you know, in this upcoming period to um, to make sure we're able to field a, a competitive forward line for mine. Yeah, I was just going to quickly go over the latest. Um, I'll just do the top. Well, I'll do the top ten um, players uh, ranked in the national draft. Um, so, Jamara Ugal Hagen, um, he's ranked as the number one player in this year's draft. Obviously, he's uh, NGA, which is not uh, Next Generation Academy, to the Bulldogs, so they do have rights to him. Uh, then it's uh, I think it's Eli Hollins, who's a um, or it might be a larger. Sorry, I'm making a mess of this. Uh, Eli Hollins, um, he's um, a midfielder forward, and um, he's ranked at two by this uh, draft rankings page. And I'm a bit surprised because uh, then your, your third player on this page is um, uh, Braden Campbell. Uh, who is a Sydney Next Generation Academy player. Um, then we've got Logan McDonald, which is the player that I believe the Bombers would love to get their hands on and could be a key forward of the future. But um, he's ranked in, in fourth on this. Uh, then you've got Denver Granger Barris. How's that, mate? Um, <laughs> he's a key defender. Um, he's ranked fifth. Now, the player that is expected to go number one this year on these rankings is ranked sixth, and his name's uh, Riley Philthorpe, um, and he's a key forward ruckman. Um, and there's a lot of talk. He's out of South Australia, so um, Adelaide would nab him. Um, and there's another midfielder, Will Phillips, mate, that's uh, supposed to be very quick and can find a lot of the footy. Um 
and a, a player that Essendon, uh, I've heard a few Bomber supporters really um, like on Blitz, uh, Nathan O'Driscoll, who's from uh, Western Australia. He's a basically a contested uh, ball winner, uh, you know, bigger body player. Um, I've heard a few uh, people on Blitz really say he would really fit the Bombers, but um, another player that Matt Rendell brought up on um, the draft uh, in the trade radio uh, is a player called uh, Tanner Bruin, Bruin, sorry, um, and he's another fast player with skills and so forth. So there's plenty of good talent, mate, and um, you know having three picks in the top ten currently, uh, if we get that one from Saad. We're going to have options. And I guess the last one on here is ranked number 10 is um, Reef McInnes. Uh, but he's actually um, tied up to Collingwood. So of those 10 players I know, mates, three of those were Next Generation Academy. And here lies the problem. Um, people I just named, three of those are already nabbed by other teams. So that top 10 really is only top seven available, basically. Mm. So... Uh, it does make it hard, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, but, you know, um, we've sort of seen in the past where uh, clubs have thrown a bit out and the um, the academy club hasn't matched it. Um, you know, you'd imagine in the top 10, obviously, people would go, no, nah, I'm definitely want, want my player. But, uh, you know, nothing's, uh, nothing's ever a sure thing until it actually happens. So I guess we'll... Uh, see how it all plays out. But certainly uh, a lot of those players sound like very handy footballers and uh, you'd be happy with, yeah, any of those. And, and certainly a number of them would be even better. Yeah. Well, as I said, it's um, one of those funny years, mate, where they a lot of those kids haven't played footy at all this year, you know. So um, it's a really one out of the box. You know, you've got no, you know, recent competitive football played, especially from the boys from Victoria, mm. uh, you, know, you can um, really use as a guide. So, um, and obviously at that age, you're going to have a lot of growth spurts and um, obviously a few people will um, reach their peak quicker than others and so forth. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see um, how the recruiters make their decisions on these players and they're yeah, really intriguing and uh, you know, I, I imagine we won't have three draft picks in the top in the first round um, when we do go to the draft. Mm. Uh, I believe you know a couple of those are going to have to be gone to get the players that we want in. But um, you know, if we we're able to move up the draft and get top end talent, that'll be ideal. Considering our last first round pick was Andy McGrath, so it's been a while since we've had a first round selection. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, let's hope for the best. Yeah, um, I guess you know just the final couple of things I've got on here, mate, to discuss. Um, Zach Merritt, he's what they call a pre-agent, mate, which means they've got one year to run before their free agency. Now he will be restricted, so we will have some control, a bit like the Joe Danaher situation. Um, but he did come out and he said, "Yeah, I'll be at Essendon for sure next year." And that's as much as I can say. So he's basically saying that you know, he, he makes no promises uh, after that. Um, 
and it's been reported that he has some concerns about certain issues at the club that he wants addressed. And uh, it's been reported that he's spoken to Paul Brasher to make him sure that what his concerns are. Um, and it'd be really intriguing, mate, to know what they are, but um, we can only speculate. But, um, you know, obviously there's a number of things. Um, you know, we heard Adam Saad mention cultural problems and so forth. Now, whether that's true or not, um, I'm not sure, but if a player like Zach Merritt, who's such a diligent, and if you hear Brendan Goddard on Trade Radio really mentioned it, he prepares so well. Uh, I'm sure Zach Merritt has actually done a lot of homework on where he thinks the club needs to get to and he wants to see those targets met. And in some ways, mate, I actually welcome that. You know, this is what I talk about. Like, if you've got concerns, raise them. Let the club address them. And if they don't, then, okay, you've given them the option to either address it and then you can leave on your own account on your own account, saying that, well, I raised my concerns. I gave you the faith to you know, address them. If you couldn't or didn't want to, then um, you'll understand my decision to leave. You know, and obviously we hope that's not the case, um, and let's hope some of his concerns are addressed quicker than sooner than later. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you, you're right, mate. Like a, it sounds like uh, you know Zach Merritt's had some very honest and frank discussions with the club. And I suppose going back to Paul Brasher, James, the one thing I've really enjoyed about his messages is. Um, He's addressed where there has been speculation, whether that's in the media or, or anything else. And, um, you know, in talking to, like, talking about Zach Merritt, talking about Devin Smith, uh, and he raised in his videos that, yep, I've spoken directly to, you know, Devin Smith or I've spoken directly to um, Zach Merritt and, you know, we've got an understanding of the situation. Um, so it's great to get that, like, that bit more transparency. Obviously, he's not going to tell us the details of the conversation, nor should he. So, um, like, it is promising that um, Zach Merritt isn't just uh, going, no, nah, stuff is, I'm gone. Um, he obviously still cares for the club and wants to see it succeed. Um, and he's willing to be that person to, um, you know, put things, uh, um, I suppose, in the spotlight. And as you say, like, um, you know, to work on them uh, to improve. And uh, the proof will be in the pudding. Hopefully, uh, we can... Yeah, lift um, to uh, lift to the stands of uh, obviously not only Zach Merritt, but I mean of of us fans and um, yeah, the Essendon Football Club because uh, yeah, we've been down for a long time. Uh, players want success, uh, us fans want success. We've been starved of it for far too long, and uh, yeah, so like I actually think it's a really positive move, and uh, yeah, definitely applaud um, Zach for you know standing for. Uh, for what he sort of believes. Yep. Um, just finally, mate, we've got a couple of last points I've got. Um, we had during the week, um, the AFL named, they didn't name the, the what the competition was going to be called, but they named that their second tier competition will be a combination between the VFL and the, I think it's the Eastern. Um, yeah, the NEFL. Eastern, yeah, well, it's, it's a bit more than that. It's the Eastern, um, I'll get that name, the Eastern, East Coast Second Tier Competition. Mm. So um, the the club's in that, and there's going to be 22 teams in this. And um, 
just want to quickly go through them, mate. The standalone clubs that are going to be in this 22-team competition is going to be Aspley, Coburg, Frankston, Northern Bullants, Port Melbourne, South Port Sharks, Werribee, and Williamstown. So, you know, that's a lot, a number of uh, standalone comp- uh, teams in that competition. And they, as we spoke to Paul Cousins, um, these teams are going to be supported by the AFL to travel to, obviously, right up to Queensland, down to New South Wales. And, um, you know, it's going to be a 16 game round um, season. So it's a little bit less than the normal, but 16 games. And they reckon that'll start up in April. Uh, the standalone teams in the in the comp will be Brisbane, Carlton, Collingwood, Essendon, Footscray. A long time I've said, hmm. since I said Footscray, mate. But um, Footscray, Geelong Cats, Gold Coast Suns, GWS Giants, North Melbourne, Richmond, and Sydney Swans. And then there's aligned clubs, uh, which is uh, Sandringham with St Kilda. Port Hill, sorry, Box Hill Hawks with uh, Hawthorne and Casey Demons with Melbourne. So, yeah, it's um, a new competition, mate. 22 teams, 16 rounds. So, um, you know, hopefully, we can get a chance to speak to Paul Cousins about this, um, you know, in the in episode time or so forth. I will try and tee it up and see what his understanding is. Um, I just read a little bit. On the salary cap for the for that competition, mate, the um, standalone teams they have a budget of two hundred thousand dollars, and the um, aligned teams and the teams with their own side uh, only have a budget of one hundred thousand dollars. So, um, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see uh, what caliber kind of players are going to play for these um, standalone clubs. You know, is it going to be teams um, recruiting players that with smaller list sizes potentially trying to get back into the AFL system, trying to highlight what they can do against, you know, AFL competition? It'll be really interesting to see. And I'm, I'm actually looking forward to that um, starting up. And we really missed BFL this year, didn't we? Yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, I think I think everyone did. Um, you know, even the AFL boys like it definitely affected them and i think um you know like the that grassroots level of footy like missing that for a year it's the i suppose the most pure form of the game um yeah for for those of us um us fans um you know you hear the big hits you um yeah there's just um i don't know a real uh, i suppose different vibe about it than AFL level footy, um, and certainly uh, for us Essendon fans, we've seen a lot more success from our VFL boys than uh, than we have on the AFL uh, list. Uh, so it's good to see you know side doing well in the finals, um, and uh, yeah, I'll certainly be supporting them all the way next year. Right, and I guess uh, just as we wrap up, mate, the final one is the number of players in limbo. Um, because uh, again, we don't know the list sizes. We don't know the even the total player payment cap at the moment. Um, we have heard that Jaden Laverty and James Stewart 
both have contracts in front of them. Um, they're not signed yet, or at least not officially. Um, I believe most, both contracts are for two years. So, um, yeah, I think those two will, will stay unless um, Jaden gets a better offer elsewhere. Um, but, you know, there's another other players that have been told, even like players like Will Snelling and so forth, that we're waiting on list sizes before decisions are made um, in terms of contract offers and so forth. So that must be frustrating for those players that are just on the outside, um, you know, of, of being offered contracts. And then you've got uh, Marty Gleeson who hit a trigger in his free agency and, um, you know, a one-year extension, but he has opted to have a look around to see if he can get something more substantial. So, yeah, there's still a number of players. I think I counted maybe seven or eight players that we still don't know what their futures are. Um, it'll be very interesting to see what happens overall um, and how quickly the club will make the decision. Like Will Ham, oh, sorry, Will Ham, I'm uh, sorry, Braden Ham. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going blast from the past there, mate. Um, yeah, Braden Ham, you know, he was a player of the future, I thought. Um, you know, he's. Again, one of those players waiting um, or hasn't signed or is at least maybe getting some offers from outside the club. So, um, yeah, I was hoping Braden would be part of the future. He still might be, but, um, yeah, still nothing in concrete as yet. Yeah, which is which is surprising. And, uh, yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd think that with the promise he's showing, you'd want to uh, sort of snap him up pretty quickly. So, um, yeah, let's, let's hope you get something in front of him soon. Yeah, well, that's about it, mate. I, I think you know, um, you know, I love the trade periods. Usually, um, it, it can be a bit repetitive if you're listening to trade radio. Uh, the amount of times you have to listen to the same ad, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it is really vomit worthy. Some of it, like <laughs> uh, if I hear the same ad, like uh, my own hope here. Yeah, uh, you might not know I'm about to have a bub. Like, you know, it's all this kind of stuff. So, um, you, you just keep hearing the same ads over and over again. But um, there is some good bits in there. But um, yeah, I know when I'm at work, mate, I, I like to have a listen to that. But um, yeah, once those ads start to gnaw at me, I I, I must admit I turn the sound down because yeah, it just gets yeah. It gets really over overpowering. Um, I know this is first world problems, mate. I know. Um, I know there's bigger issues out in the world, but I mean, you know, uh, I'm thinking for my sanity. But um, <laughs> yeah. uh, anything else, mate, that you wanted to throw up before we end the show? No, nah, mate. I think it's all uh, you know conjecture for now. So yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how how it all plays out. I think um, you know as uh, I've seen a lot of promising signs um, over the last couple of weeks in terms of, you know, everyone was talking about this exodus. Um, but, you know, you, you look at us, you know, losing, what, three players or so, um, as opposed to GWS, you know, losing, what, sort of six, seven or so um, of theirs. So, uh, and then with the players, like two players of, uh, like Jai Caldwell and, Josh Dunkley have obviously nominated Essendon. That's where they want to go. I think that's a real show of faith and that, uh, you know, we're slowly turning things around. Um, you know, the 
everything that's happened to the the bombers looks like you know we're we're not sitting on our hands we're actually doing something this review has already seen um yeah i guess unfortunately for uh, dan richardson but it has seen action already that we're looking to uh, really prop up areas and make sure we've got the right people in the right positions uh, to really, um, yeah, build this uh, great football club up again. So, uh, yeah, let's hope for some good news uh, in the trade period to come. And, uh, yeah, look forward to doing a bit of a wrap-up of, of what's been happening there. Yeah, okay. Well, um, yeah, that's right. So uh, the 12th of uh, November is the final day of trading. So uh, at this stage, we'll plan to do a, a pod on that day. So after we know uh, potentially what our makeup of our list is before we hit the national draft, which will be in uh, early December. I think it's the 5th or 6th of December, mate. So, um, yeah, so at least we'll, we'll do something in the 12th of November. And then obviously after that, obviously do one in after the national draft so um it'll be very interesting to see what happens in the next week or so but uh yeah hold on to your hats and let's hope uh the club does uh give us a good foundation to you know look forward to next year so thanks for listening uh, go bombers go dons <laughs>